0: Alrighty folks. Tomorrowland Transit Authority Metroliner nonstop now departing Rocket Tower Plaza Station for a round-trip Super Skyway Tour. Hollywood, 1939. Welcome to the WDW Reflections Podcast with your hosts Dewey, Ron, and Tony. Here, we'd love to talk about the Walt Disney World Resort, the way we remember it, how it's changed, and why we still enjoy visiting the most magical place on Earth. We're not experts, but we want to share our unique experiences and memories with you. You may learn some facts you never knew before, and you may return to some of your own memories of the Walt Disney World Resort, and we'd love to share these memories together. So come with us on a podcast journey as we reflect on the WDW Reflections Podcast. Please stand clear of the doors. Reflections. Hey y'all, welcome to the WDW Reflections Podcast, your unofficial guide through Disney World memories and their connections to the parks we know and love today. I am Dewey, I am one of your hosts, And this is episode number 13 of the WDW Reflections Podcast. Stick around towards the end of the show for some more information on how you can contact us and become involved in the show through social media groups and maybe even be a contributor to future shows. With me today are my podcast travel buddies, Ron and Tony. Good morning, Tony. How are you? I'm doing good, Dewey. How about yourself? I'm not too bad. Uh, I just realized I say morning every time we record this. So if you're recording in the morning, you may be listening at a different time. So whichever time of day you are experiencing this, I hope you're having a good part of that day. Exactly. Hello, everyone, (laughs) and
1: welcome to our show. Thank you very much for listening. And also just wanted to send out a reminder that we also do have video excerpts from this. We, We do a Zoom call every week. And so we have excerpts of that presented on YouTube with some extras added to it, like photos and scenes and things that, that you might wanna see visually. So don't forget to check out our YouTube page every Saturday after the show for a kind of a, a rundown of what we have there. And if you do go there, like, and subscribe and do all the fun stuff that you normally do on YouTube. We love to hear from you.
0: Awesome, thank you, Tony. And then my good buddy, Ron, is here with us today. Howdy, howdy Ron, how are you?
2: I'm good, man, how are you doing?
0: I am living the dream here in cold, cold Delaware, Ron.
2: (laughs) Yeah, Tennessee is not that cold yet. We did get a cold spell, but it's not terribly cold. And um, just enjoying, um, looking forward to this conversation as always. have had some fun feedback on Facebook on our page there. Um, So that's been fun to interact with as well. And um, so I'm looking forward to today and continuing our conversation with Tricia.
0: Oh, there you go. You led us right into saving the best for last. Not that Tony and Ron aren't super fun, <laughs> but saving the best for last with us again this week. Very generous with her time is Trisha Dobb. She is back with us to consider, not consider, to continue our discussion with her about some of her fun being an author and a, and a magazine contributor. So Trisha Welcome back to the WDW Reflections podcast.
3: Hello, it's cold where I am too. Chicago has decided. It's just going into like like it kind of skipped over fall. It went from like summer to fall or summer like a day of fall, and then now we're just it's winter. <laughs> it's not negative fifty, but it's uh, not warm either.
0: <laughs> do not recommend. But I understand it's cold in Orlando
1: as well today, so it's kind of uh, evening out.
3: There we go. Yeah, I've, I've been in Orlando a couple of times when it's cold and as a Chicagoan, you'd think I'd know better, but I just don't pack my giant winter coat and scarf and hat. But I was there once when it was like less than 40 degrees. And I, I, I think everyone was just didn't even know what to do with themselves. So. <laughs> I think I had six shirts on at one point in time.
1: <laughs> I went there in February for the very first time last year. And yeah, it was cold. It was colder than it is now.
3: We were there at the same time then. It was actually, yeah, oh, okay. I was there, I was there like February, it was during the half marathon. That's all I know. And there were some very cold runners. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Listen, that makes me so mad when I get to, because, you know, I leave here, Delaware, you know, and I'm going to Florida in the, in the winter or whatever, to enjoy the warmth. And when I get there and it's like 50, I'm like, Florida, what are you doing to me, man?
3: But so, you to you think about what you're leaving behind. You're leaving behind like 10. True. So, true. It, you know, it's like it's still warmer than 10.
0: <laughs> oh, my goodness gracious. It should never be cold there. That's Florida. If you're listening, I think you're one of our viewers. Uh, don't do that anymore. We don't want you to be cold anymore, Florida.
3: And Dewey's going to go down there and yell at a cast member about it as if they're supposed to be able to control that.
0: It's Disney. Don't they? They've got a, a dial somewhere. Bubble? Yes, they can do that. Come on. Anyway, Trish, very happy to have you here again. We, we had so much fun with you last week. We thought if it was fun once, it'll be even more fun a second time. So welcome back. Glad to have you here. Thank you. So this week, like I said, we are excited to welcome back our guest from last week, Trisha Dab. We had such a great time talking to her about her experiences as a Disney author. And we thought, uh, first of all, we barely scratched the surface. We want to talk a little bit more. We did talk about some of her previous books, the ones where she talks about all of her character love and all the different characters and places to see them and meet with them and do all that fun stuff but she actually has a a new book that we want to talk about today. And then we also want to talk a little bit about her experiences and her contributions to the WDW Magazine. We got so caught up in all the fun last week, we we barely scratched the surface of that stuff. So that's why she's very graciously agreed to return to us again today. So, Tricia, I thought i just start out with a uh, a basic author question. And uh, I am not an author. Let's be very clear about that. I don't know anything about being an author. So talk to me like I am a third grader. And I'm just curious, some of the highs and lows about being an author. What uh, What's great about it? What's fun about it? And then what part just makes you want to just you know walk away from it all is it if there is even something bad about it at all like goods and goods and bads highs and lows just some of your experiences
3: okay so well I'll focus on um I, I I don't know if this is a correct correct way to think about it or not I think it is um so author I think is associated with books um and then there's kind of writer so Um, I, when I, when I'm writing for the magazine, I don't necessarily, it's, you know, you're, I'm considered a a contributing writer. So um, I'll focus on the author side. Um, There are definitely highs and lows of being an author. I think I kind of alluded to one of those uh, last week, but um, so definitely the highs are moments like this, uh, getting to meet uh, the different people. So regardless of the genre that you write in, you know, if you're a fiction writer, or if you choose to, write historical fiction or nonfiction like I write, you find yourself in a community of people that have that similar interest. And I I definitely think that has really opened up doors for me in, in terms of meeting amazing people at Disney. I don't know prior to having books out, if anyone would have had any reason to have me on a podcast, um, I would have just been another like, woohoo, Disney fan, which that can also be um, really interesting. But uh, because of the books, I've, I would say put myself in situations I would have never put myself in when I'm at Disney. So that is definitely um, one of the the you know more exciting sides of it. So um, as example, like we talked about last week, getting to interview and meet Chef Bruno from Chefs de France and find out this person who's been at EBCOT since the day it opened. Um, those are experiences I wouldn't have had just, you know, chugging along at a Disney park, enjoying, you know, gorging on delicious French food in EBCOT. Um, I also have characters and cast members autograph my books. So that's one of the things I brought to share today. And it's something that I started to do with my very first book uh, way back in 2017. And I would ask people to autograph it and, and the kind of the, the autograph I was most excited to get was Lady Tremaine um, because the book is called the not so evil stepmother in the most magical place on earth. And of course, like she very much interpreted as I wrote the book about her and didn't want to hear any other that the book was about anything else but her. <laughs> <laughs> so did you, you catch
2: know? that on video? Uh, you tell me you got that on video that would be awesome
3: uh I think actually I you know I think I actually did because my friend was filming uh while she was you know signing the book and I was just having this like weird weird like total fangirl moment it was uh, um it's fairly embarrassing (laughs) um but uh but so so things like that uh I remember I think one of my favorite character experiences is uh Donald at uh, breakfast a la art at Tapolina Terrace. And uh I shared I shared uh one of my books with him and that's I'm showing the book. It's the story comes alive. It's the the volume one. So this uh five book series is, it, well it's I've got three of the five books out but um this book series is kind of the the latest group of books that I have and for the the way these work is uh there's a chapter either titled after a specific character or a specific movie. So in this case, it's Walt in the Fab Five and there's a chapter for Donald. And when we were at Topolino, Donald sat and turned every page of his chapter <laughs> and then reacted to different things. So for example, I talk about how Mickey's PhilharMagic, Donald's kind of a key player. And in, in, I mean, it's almost, should be called Donald's PhilharMagic. But uh, he was like all excited and showing me he had put the hat on. And then we were looking at Chef Mickey's and he was pretending to cook. And um, I I just did so many different things, but literally every, like every page, like looked through each and every page and then just hugged the book. And then, you know, just had all these amazing pictures. And so that's, that's, it's experiences like that, that are are incredible. And then getting to just meet people when you are at a park um, and you get an opportunity to pull out a book and have someone autograph it. people have tons and tons and tons of questions. And, uh, I've had cast members sign the book where they've written about what their favorite things are. I've got, you know, just amazing notes from people. Um, and I have, I have that for all five of my books. I've had all five autographs whenever possible. So, um, I'm almost to all the princesses. I'm missing just a few in the princess book. Um, and then this book has tons of movies and and uh, characters in it that you can't meet. So um, someday, hopefully, they'll bring Dreamfinder and Figment back. But until then, uh, and then these two because they were kind of more general. Uh, just I I mean I've had just about anybody sign it. So people see. That I have books, they ask question. Next thing you know, they're autographing my book, and um, I do remember I got to meet uh, Lou Mangello from WW Radio, uh, fangirled all over him at uh, the Epcot Butterfly Garden at <laughs> Flower and Garden, and got him to, to sign it. So those are, I, I think it's the people that, that you get to meet are definitely definitely the high points.
1: Do you have a favorite of your books?
3: Oh, you know, I you know I I I'm going to be honest, I do. Um, the first one has a near and dear because uh, the cover art, I can't remember if I mentioned this last time. So this cover art is actually based off a of photo. Um, I'm showing the cover of the book. So it's based off a of photo that we took. Uh, it was actually at uh, Hollywood Studios and the, the, the photo pass photographer had us all put our magic bands in. And this is our family of 11. Um, so all five of the kids are there. My husband is there. My parents are there. I have horns because I'm the the evil stepmother. Um, And it was actually my daughter-in-law that did the art for this. So that was really neat. So she took this picture and then created, and it was really, really a fun process because I asked her to do it. She was like, oh, that'd be great. So then she took the picture and then she reached out to me. She said, okay, which Disney art style do you want? And I was kind of like, what do you mean? And so she had created like, well, if everybody was like a Pixar character, if everybody was more like 90s oh, wow. character, if everybody was more, and pardon was like, I need to find that. Cause now I just realized how cool that was that she, she did that. But she had kind of more like Snow White era, you know, the, kind of the um, golden years and had more, I think we ended up going more with like kind of the 90s um, style. And then when I was doing my food book, Uh, So I'm showing the Tasting the Magic from A to Z. I asked her if she would do the art for that. And so she created 50 custom uh, food illustrations that so you can see some of them on the cover. And then each chapter has a different uh, food illustration that she created. So because my husband and I got married at Disney and our wedding cape topper was a Mickey and a Minnie. She even created a wedding cake with a little, Mickey and Minnie's shape on on the top. So I think I have to say, uh, Tasting the Magic though, uh, because we worked so closely together on it. I love the the cover art of the book and I just love Disney food. (laughs) Um, I so wanna write a second food book because there's so many more places I've been. I'm like, no, 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 you need to go here. Oh, you need to go here. It's just there's, and they keep adding, of course, it doesn't ever stop. So uh, I, I want to say the food book because it was the most fun to research.
1: And that's your newest one, right?
3: Um, no, actually, Tasting the Magic came out. Uh, this is my second. Uh, Tasting, my, Tasting the Magic was my second one. So okay. um, my first book came out in February of 2017. So that was The evil Stepmother. And then Tasting the Magic came out in December of 2017. And then I worked for a really long time <laughs> on writing story comes alive because it ended up being a much bigger project than i'd expected and so um, story comes live volume one came out I, I think it was april of 2019 and then um, volume two which is princesses and frozen came out i think it was june of 2019 and then volume three the disney classics i think was maybe december of 2019 um, And then you don't release a book about Disney characters during a pandemic, so uh, I haven't had a new book come out, uh, even though I have a manuscript uh, with my publisher, but it's just kind of not the right time to put out a a Disney guide, which leads to the lows. (laughs) (laughs) Couple of lows. Um, And nothing like, it would be like, I'm never going to do this again. Uh, Disney changes stuff Mm -hmm. all the time. Yeah, put out a book, it's like, it's like when you, they, they say, you know, your computer just loses all its value. The second you walk out of the store, or your car, the second it's, it's kind of like that, like you work so hard and, and to put out a book, it's not like I sent a manuscript and it's out the next day. Um, despite, Amazon, um, having the ability to kind of turn books around more, you know, quite quickly with Kindle and all that, it's still a process. You have to, there's a whole editing process and then there's a layout process and all of those things take time. Um, And I think I realized on average uh, over the course of the whole process from writing the book to having a final copy in my hands. I usually read, have to read each book on average somewhere six to seven times um, over because of editing and then checking the edits and then um, rechecking and then seeing it in layout for the first time and editing that. So usually I have to, by the by the time it comes out and I get the box with the first one, I'm most excited about the cover art, but I'm like, I don't wanna read the thing. I've read it so many times I don't wanna read the thing. Um, so it's it's a it's a lot of work, um, which of course most, most you know lots of things are. Uh, I would also say it's, and the, I I didn't go into it for the money at all. Um, my publisher was great about kind of clarifying that, like <laughs> you're not going to be able to buy you know your Disney yacht because you start to become an author and suddenly like everybody and their brother is buying a book. Um, I write about a very niche category. In addition to that, so um, you have to love Disney, and then you have to decide I'm going to read a book as opposed to the millions of blogs or podcasts or you know all the other uh, Disney media that's out there to be consumed. So, uh, but but it can be sometimes slightly disheartening to be okay when a book is purchased, um, I get the smallest share of uh, the sale. So it's um you know, it, it, but I, I got to a point where I really, my husband made me do this once. He said, make a list of the reasons you really do this, because if this was about, if this was about the money, it would, You, we would be doing this, you would be doing this very different way. So, um, so I think that that's, that's kind of another piece that it's more, just know what your goals are. Um, and mine wasn't ever to, you know, suddenly become a, a famous author and, um, you know, uh, own a share of like, you know, be able to get in a club 33 or anything like that because of my books. But uh, it it's what led me to being able to write for the magazine. And that was something I would say wasn't necessarily I could have ever told myself was a goal Um, that, okay, I want to do this so that I can become a writer for the magazine and get to engage with that incredible group of people. But it's something that happened. And so those are, you know, it comes with it came with a lot of benefits.
2: It's got to be cool, though, to go over to your bookshelf and say, hey, here's the book I wrote when somebody comes to visit or even the autographs alone. That is so cool that you can go to the to the parks and have something that is invaluable. Right. There's no price on that for when you come back with that, with the signatures that you've got and the the experiences. So that's I mean, that alone to me would be part of the benefit as well.
3: Well, and I think to inspiring kids, Uh, I've had the opportunity. I've talked, I've talked at um, a couple local high schools. One of them was actually my older son's senior year of high school. His high school invited me to come and speak. They have a a week that they call the writer's week and they just have different um, people who work in their creative spaces and the kids can go and kind of hear what it's like. And the kids wanted to know. What is it like to be an author? Am I going to make millions of dollars? Like, did you, you know, have you met Walt? And I'm like, well, you know, Walt. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, I have met Mickey in like 80 different costumes. Um, but, you know, just I, I think inspiring kids is is something that's really kind of a fun piece of it because there are so many kids out there that are Disney fans and they, they I, I think they see, you know, these books and then you, you don't kind of, I, I mean, and I would think this when I was a kid, I don't know that there's no association there's a real person behind that and, and there is and they lived on the street it's not <laughs> some some other person and I remember we were at Starbucks with um, my younger child's friend and uh there our local Starbucks is where I wrote most of my first two books and they just loved they were so excited when I brought it in I was like hey I have this exciting news. Like, I I I just published a, a book and and I wrote it here and they were just so excited. They were like, what? And so they actually, uh, they let me put up a poster in there about like, that, you know, it was written there. And we were standing in the Starbucks with, with my, my kid and his friend and they, his friends like, my, that's like, do you know who that is? And, and, and my, my son, Oz was like, well, that's, that's my mom. And he's like, shut up. That's like my cousin's favorite book. She's like obsessed with that author. And it was literally, <laughs> my son's like 11 year old friend, his cousin, like, you know, and having no idea that there was this actual person to collection. He's like, he's like, literally I was just at her house. And he's like, I have this book from her and this book for her. And this one, my mom got autographed for her. And, and my son's like, it's my mom, you know, like, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so that that's always kind of a neat piece, and, and to be there. And I've I've met some kids. I have um, I've done a couple of times where I'll do a congratulations button, the the, the celebration buttons that Disney uh, hands out. And I, no, sorry, it's the I'm celebrating. And I've done it where I've done my Disney book, and that just people always ask, like you wrote a book, you wrote a book about Disney, um, because cast members are really probably some of the biggest Disney fans out there. So. That always sparks conversation. Um, I have bookmarks that I hand out, and I, I, when I go to Disney World, I can do a book event, and we'll go through five times as many bookmarks in a trip to Disney World. That
0: is really, really good. I mean, that's so cool because I'm always just intrigued by people that possess a talent that I don't possess, which is almost everybody. Uh, I don't, I don't have many talents, but. You know, I mean, writing is not just something that anybody can do. I mean, you, you have to have a, uh, a talent to do that. You know, probably a little bit of education, but also uh, just, a, just a, a natural propensity to, to be able to do that. So uh, I just think that's really, really cool. I think it's cool that you found something that you're good at, but then you're like, hey, you know what? I, I can do this, but I can do this about something I love. And I, that's just really, I, I, I'm, I'm excited for you. You know, I just think that's really cool that you're able to do that and that, um, you know, that you've been able to do it. You said five books in in five years or four years or whatever, like 2017 was the first one. That's just un, unbelievable to me that you're, I mean, you're, it's like you're cranking these things out. That is really impressive. Really yeah. impressive.
3: <laughs> I don't, I don't feel like that at all because it's such a long process. Like it's just, yeah, it is. There are times where you're just like, when is this going to happen? Um, I, I would say something that does help enormously is a support system. I'm very lucky that I'm married to a writer. I'm married to probably one of the best writers that, that I know, um, that is what my husband does for a living. So I'm very lucky that I have like a built, built-in editor, um, and we he actually edited um, my first book and I have a couple of, of readers that also will read the books and and weigh in. So I have a, a very close friend of mine who she's also got two books about Disneyland Food and she is my Disney bestie. We met through this whole process. I adore her. her name's Jamie. Um, on Instagram she's at Lilo underscore the Lost Princess she's one of my readers and you want to talk about somebody who is both a really talented writer, but also like ultimate Disney fan. Like she's able to tell me like this tiny, wait, wait, there's a popcorn cart. That's Maurice's popcorn cart in, you know, fantasy land. You guys tell me, I'm like, who knows this? Like <laughs> she does. Um, and so I feel very lucky to have a community of people to, to support. I think, I think most, Writing is a very lonely experience. Uh, I think your listeners and you guys can definitely attest to, I'm kind of a social person. I like people. That is, you doesn't, writing books and talking to people don't always go in. And it's a very lonely process because um, it's you're doing most of it uh, by yourself. Like you're not accomplishing anything when you're most well not that but if you're interviewing and being placed and experiencing things but it's not until you put those words on paper that you have something to turn in so it can be a a fairly lonely process and um I feel lucky for some of the folks uh that I've been able to meet and and some of the fellow writers out there that like get it like you're just like uh I know I have I have 100 pages left to go and you're just like I don't want to read anymore Um, (laughs) I, I still remember Jamie at one point when I was working on the story comes alive. I was like, I can't do it. They just changed something. Else. Like, I can't do it. Like I, I, I give up. Like they keep changing everything. I feel like I, I can't finish this book. I'm never gonna finish this book. It's just like, just get it done. Just get it done. You can always go back and change something. She's like, but just get it done. You'll be so happy you got it done and you did it, you did it right. And you know, so you've got you've got to have those cheerleaders in the in the process too. And that that is key.
0: So I also love that. This is obviously a, uh, a family affair. So your first book was written about literally your 11-member your, your family and extended family and that whole big trip that you went on. But then now you're, you, you, you just told us a minute ago that your daughter-in-law did the artwork for your, for your, your book about the A to Z about the Disney food. And mm-hmm. then your husband, who is a writer, is kind of your unofficial editor. Uh, that's really awesome. I mean, it's almost like uh, like the dog family, you know, just all coming together to make this happen. And, and that's got to make it even more special.
3: It definitely does. Uh, especially too, with the first book and and the second book, uh, you know, I even, um, so I'm showing and tasting the magic. One of the things that I talked about is like, okay, who are the, the taste testers? So whose perspective on food am I giving you? And so I introduced everybody to, All the different um people in my family and again um my daughter-in-law had done these illustrations and so everybody has their little um person and so uh you know like here's my mom over here uh these so it's these these hand-drawn illustrations that she did of each of us and so yeah i mean it was really what i was also trying to let folks know is is we're talking about different people different ages different backgrounds different Pre- taste preferences. I'm a total foodie. I'll try anything once. My husband's an even braver uh, person than I am. He's like, sure. hundred year old egg again, Hong Kong. Yeah, I'll eat that. I'm like, I draw the line there. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but we have folks that maybe aren't so adventurous in our family. So I have a fairly large age range. And so I wanted people to kind of know that too. We're not just talking about, you know, Two people that are very much alike, and you know, my husband and I travel for food. Like we, when we are planning a vacation, it's all about where are we going to eat when we're there. um Ron is over there, like. <gasps> <laughs> yes. there like
2: a, there's some truth to that. I'm I'm trying to reach. I'm trying to expand my horizons, but I am definitely not. I. I can easily default to the kid's buffet at Disney. <laughs>
0: <laughs> just, just bring me the chicken fingers, right?
2: Exactly.
3: <laughs> well, and I will then... tell you, Ron, I've tried and enjoyed haggis, which is like one of those foods that most people are like, nope. And Mm-mm. we were in Scotland and we tried it and we loved it. Um, wow. And it's really interesting. I mean, that, I, I really love how much story goes into most food. So I think maybe it's that story lover in me and that there's so much. Um, So for example, in France, uh, when we were at Chefs de France, and and I was researching the book, my uh, husband had ordered a a tuna niçoise salad. And the waitress that was there was from France, as you know, so many employees in Epcot are from the, or so many cast members in Epcot are from that country. And she was telling us that this was like, like, kind of like a hangover food. Like, it was like, this is the stuff I have in the fridge, you know, <laughs> kind of the next morning, you know. Uh, and I, I thought it was great. I thought it was so fun. I was like, I had no idea. And and that it was, um, and then there was another cast member that was there that it was, uh, um, no, actually, it was her. It was from the part of France that she was from, is where the dish was originated, too. And so you get, the, there's there's usually a story, and it's so neat to learn what that story is and that that passion that someone's putting into what they're making and why um another one of my favorite stories food stories is from um Tuta gusto wine cellar in epcot little hidden gem i think i've written about it enough that it's not as hidden as i would like anymore but uh, we were talking to a cast member there a younger girl from italy and she was saying how Uh, when she first started working at, uh, at Epcot, she was telling her dad, who's very Italian, um, about, you know, the different foods they have. And she was saying, and, and people really, the Americans really like the chicken Parmesan. And he's like, chicken parmesan that is not a thing that that, you don't make chicken parmesan (laughs) because traditionally I plant there and he was just very distraught by and so when he came to visit her he was like I must try this chicken parmesan like what is this (laughs) (laughs) blasphemy Uh, and so it's it's, those those neat stories that that uh, you can get and food just always brings people together so I really I really enjoy writing about food
1: did you have to did you specifically have to try every single thing or you were saying that it was spread out amongst your group?
3: I I think that probably most things I wrote about I tried, um, but I will tell you, I grilled my family on our vacation. I think I had in my head in 2015, like I think I might write something, Um, but I hadn't decided until the following year to do it. But I interviewed those, I I have a book of notes. I interviewed them at the end of every day. What was your favorite part today? You know, what what would you wanna do again? what was a favorite thing you ate like every day I grilled them um so they were they were they were great sports uh to to let me do that to them I remember sitting like my my uh, stepdad took a photo of me at the airport I think I was interviewing my mom or something at the airport like okay I didn't talk to you on day four so what was your favorite part of day four (laughs) I had it written down and so I have like a whole um I'm not sure where that I would have to try to find it but I have like a whole uh, journal that I so I have different um, notebooks that I use for different trips and then obviously they're they're Disney themes. so each trip I have a book that I use for notes that I bring with me.
1: You're reminding me of a topic that we probably should bring up at a we'd love to have you on in the future for a different show but this is um, you're, you're talking about generally adults going to Disney World and getting the most of the experience by sampling things that they wouldn't normally exa- uh, sample. I know a lot of people who are not into the magic the way that we are think that it's all you know kitty stuff. You just go into a theme park and you're not gonna eat anything other than a hot dog when, or chicken when you're there. And we're talking about a place where you can experience these wonderful delicacies from all over the world and so I think it's great that you found a way to express that in, in a book and to actually catalog it, whether they change it or not. It's still wonderful to know that it was encapsulated somewhere that that can be shared and say, this place exists. And guess what? There's other things that you can do in Disney World other than writing rides.
3: Well, it's so funny you say that because I've made notes because I'm, I, I will admit, I, I like lists. So I as I was listening to the episode from last week, I made notes, okay, these are the things that you told, so I don't tell the same story again. And one of the notes that I made, it kind of leads so much from what you were saying, Tony. I did a blog recently for WW Magazine that was the seven best resorts for foodies. Um, it's hard to limit to seven. Disney has so many resorts. And it, it leads so much to that question that you were asking. And, so, and then to take that and say, okay, what's the best one? And- I went with Animal Kingdom Lodge. And one of the things that I realized is now when Animal Kingdom Lodge is at full operation. So I think, I'm pretty sure Boma and Mara are both open. Um, I don't know that, I don't think Jiko G- is open yet. Jiko um, is very foodie restaurant. Ron, I don't know. You you may, uh, no. may want to work your way <laughs> up to Jiko. Maybe start at Sanaa, work your way over to Jiko. Jiko yeah, was um, delicious. It's amazing. We yeah. had our, with the day we got married, we had dinner at Jiko at after our wedding. And so what I realized is that you can taste food from at least five different countries in Africa. Now, what I did, cause I'm just, I just was like actually intrigued. I'm like, okay, so it's these five countries. I'm going to research what it would take and 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 you can also have food from Ebcat because they use the greens from le- living with the land at Ebcat at Geco, so it's like so from EBCOT to these five different African countries so I researched what it would take how many hours you would have to be on a plane to go to these five different countries <laughs> round trip. how life. cool
2: is that <laughs> though. These five
3: countries and I took a time-lapse video of of me researching this so you can see the name of each country it's 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 in the blog post I was so glad the editor left it in and he's like I love that you did that <laughs> um and because I was like "Ooh, will they keep that in or not I don't know it might be too incident he's like no I love that you did it so you would have to be on a plane now this isn't getting there going anywhere doing anything getting food this is just flight time you would be on a plane (laughs) for 62 hours holy smokes 62 hours Africa is a very big continent um I mean some of the flights just from one country to another in Africa were you know 12 13 hours And so yeah, so it's definitely um, it was it was so leading so much to kind of what you're talking about. Like, where else are you going to go and get flavors from all of these places? And that's one restaurant or you know one resort in all of Disney World where you know Epcot 1.2 miles you're able to you know try food from so many different places, and it's something that um, I think is 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 so unique that they they. Really said it matters, and we're going to make sure that the quality of the food is quality and it's not just, you know, theme park food. And not to say the theme park food is bad, but it it's definitely something that I, th- I think Disney kind of set a standard there. So, some of the dining experiences, not all of them, but most of them, Disney puts that same passion, that passion for story, that attention to detail, theming, creativity they put that into dining as well. So if, if, if folks don't try new things, you're missing an element of the story that's, that's part of what Disney wants you to experience. And uh, I've been able to talk to a couple of cast members who were uh, opening team cast members at restaurants. Um, one of them, uh, she was opening team at Be Our Guest and she talked about how they showed the movie so they had all the cast members there, they showed the movie, and then they would bring out dishes at key points based off where it made sense in the movie. So um, when, during the song, Be Our Guess, when, you know, Lumiere is talking about the gray stuff, they brought out the gray stuff for them to try. Um, I think there was the one where Beast was like struggling to eat, I, I can't remember if it was like maybe porridge or something, and they, get, they did a soup at that point in time. So, you know, and, and th- th- that care goes into it. It just, and part of me feels like, okay, we got to go because we got to appreciate all that work and care.
0: <laughs> and, and that's what's so great about Disney. And, and I know uh, just a second ago, Tony, you were talking about how some people think it's for kids. And it is. It, there's great okay. stuff for kids to do. But there's also great stuff for adults to do. Single adults, married adults, honeymoon adults, you know, adults with kids, families. I mean, literally, anybody can go to the Walt Disney World Resort and find something that appeals to them. Whether you know, like like we've been talking about, it's the food, or it's the rides, or it's the you know, experiencing the culture outside of food that you get to meet in the World Showcase, or like the 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 some of the cast members from Animal Kingdom Lodge are from some of those countries in Africa. Uh, you know, there's there really is something for everybody. So. I love how you can, you have like a laser focus like you have for some of your books on characters or on food or whatever, and, and you're just speaking to an audience that really could be any kind of interest, and it's all within that, that Disney bubble, so I, I love how you, you said you found that your niche, you know, to, to write, that's, uh, you're, you're really you're really in there, and you're really, you know, for us as fans, you're making it happen, you're making it come alive.
3: Well, it's interesting that you say that. So one of the things um, I kind of realized, so so one of the things they teach you as an author is you really have to understand your audience. Who are you talking to? Make sure you understand who your audience is and, and keep that in mind as you're writing. And I realized after my second book, I kind of had two primary audiences. One were people that were like, I'm planning this trip and I'm I'm not sure. And maybe this person can help me. I, I mean, I've I've met people who were like, I don't think I can do this um, help me. I don't think I can do this. It's too overwhelming. Um, and then I had this other group of people that were like, these are Disney fans, um, present company included. So they're going to consume everything they can. Um, so they want to have all the books because somebody might tell them about something that they haven't heard, or it'll trigger a memory for them hearing about this or that. Um, but one of the things uh, that was interesting that came up when I wrote Story Comes Alive, and it and it really hit me with uh, when I was talking to someone at the Starbucks that I go to regularly, she was trying to plan a trip for her family. And she just was like, I am so overwhelmed. It's so much. And she was like, you know, which one of your books do you recommend? And I said, well, what's who, who are some of your favorite characters? Who do you really want to make sure your, your kids see? And she said, my daughter and I just love Cinderella. It's like the movie that we we always watch together. It's kind of holds this, this place in her. And I said, "Okay, read the Cinderella chapter in the book." And she told me something that I hadn't really thought of. She said, "You took this giant thing that I find overwhelming. To me, I'm like 300 restaurants. Yes, you know, four <laughs> parts. Yes." And then other people are like, "Nope, too much. Can't do it. It's just too much." And she was like, "You took this big thing And I was like, I don't think I can do this." And narrowed it for me and gave me a list because uh, the Cinderella chapter in the book has everything from rides, shows, restaurants, stores, like these are great places you can find merchandise. And so for her, it narrowed this giant overwhelming thing of it's too much to try to figure out what to do. It's too much, too much to understand, to, to be able to, to narrow this list to have a starting place now. So I'm going to start here in this more narrowed thing. I want to see everything, see and do everything Cinderella. And then I can add things from there. And it was a way that I hadn't really thought about it. I was a way I hadn't really thought of a way of someone to experience Disney in that way, but to really take something that you love or take something that you have a connection to and use that as the basis of, of what to, you know, kind of to way to explore the magic and so it's kind of a neat way to think about the book in a way that I hadn't really thought of
0: well I don't know if you you said you hadn't really thought of it and but I think it's really amazing that you you did it without thinking about it because for me as an educator uh, students that have special needs often need things broken down they call it chunking so you have to instead of giving them this gigantic you know, overall, this is what we're talking about this school year, or, you know, they, they can't even comprehend that they need to be, you know, what are we doing today, and then break that into sections. So that's called chunking. And you did that, you took gigantic Disney World, and you broke it into, here's your Cinderella piece. And uh, I mean, really, that's kind of genius. And you didn't even know you were doing it. I'm sure you did. I think you're being modest, but uh, you, you're you're smarter than you're even willing to admit. But I think that's fantastic. You took it, you know, you took this gigantic thing that can be a Disney World vacation and really specified to, you know, if you like Cinderella, here you go. If you like whatever, you know, or if you like the food, here you go. So
3: yeah.
0: um, I love it. I love it.
3: It was the base. And so the basis was a uh, uh, uh... I'd heard a podcast and they were talking about like all these fun little details. And I was like, I didn't realize that. And then like the next day, my neighbor came over and said, okay, I'm planning a trip. And my kid loves Mickey. And I was like, let me give you a list. And I realized that was a much harder thing to come up with than I thought. Um, Like even going, okay, where are all his meet and greets? How many are there? Um, Where are all the, you know, where are all the character meals? Can I get a list of all the character meals? So I could figure out which one might be the right one for me and my family or, would I prefer it to be at a resort versus in a park, you know, it kind of, kind of something like that. And, um, and so that's where that basis came from. But the idea of planning to that hadn't really occurred to me. It would be more like, okay, well, I'm already there. Can I check off everything this? <laughs> or like for me, I was like, have I seen everything, Tiana? Because I kind of like her. You know, she's one of my favorites. Have I seen everything, Tiana? And, you know, kind of more after the fact, like, okay, can I check everything off a list or give me something that I haven't seen yet? But to use it as a basis for planning, I was like, oh, that's the that's way I wouldn't have thought about it.
0: All right. So that's really awesome, Trisha. Thank you for sharing that. All of the fun stuff about your books and, you know, that whole process. That's really great. But we would also like to talk about uh, your experiences with the WDW Magazine and how that came about. How, how did you become a contributor? And, uh, and then maybe just share a little bit about a couple of your favorite uh, articles or pieces that you've written for the magazine.
3: Absolutely. So I was actually, I want to say it was February of 2020. So right before, before, you know, the world really changed, um, they had reached out to me and asked me about writing for them. I had looked into writing for them before, but just with the book stuff and the day job, I just was like, I don't, I don't think I can right now, or I can't kind of devote the uh, focus to it that I think it definitely needed. Um, And I had actually been in one of the original subscriber groups. So they had started, I want to say it was 2017, it might've been a little bit earlier than that, but they started doing the print publication. So they had had digital um, and they started offering a print. And I think there's always that question, like, do people really want print anymore? Um, and as a book writer, I can say, I love that print is kind of making a little bit of a comeback, uh, that it, it, sometimes it's nice to have that physical thing. It's, it's fun to get things in the mail, especially when you've been like locked up in your house for four months. It was really fun to get something in the mail of a place that you couldn't go so yeah they had reached out to me and so for uh, my very first article was in the January uh, 2020 edition of the magazine um and it was in the with kids column so there's uh every month they have certain columns and then lots of amazing features the the photos I think are some of the best parts of the magazine but uh, the with kids column. So I started writing that for them and each month is a different kind of topic of doing something with kids. One month I got to write about the uh, Pirates game that's at uh, Magic Kingdom uh, in Adventureland. And I'll be honest with you, it was something I didn't even really know anything about. So uh, that's been kind of a cool part is I've learned so much stuff I did not really know about or hadn't really dug into writing for the magazine. And then, uh, so my, my column came out in um, January, or sorry, July of 2020, did that for a few months. And then they reached out to me and said, uh, we're looking at this new column come 2021, would you be interested in writing it? And it's about characters um, and all about where to find characters, uh, what, what are the, some of the different locations. And then I also write about what, besides an autograph book, and then, you know, what things you might want to say, what are some things you might want to do before you meet the character. I think we talked a little bit about this on the last show too. So so that's the other column that I do. And then every now and then I get to do a feature for them, which is really fun. And those are usually slightly longer pieces, a lot more photos. Um, And the two that I've done, I've done a time travel by map for EBCOT. So it's as if you were back in EBCOT in 1986, um, which was, the year of the twenty fifth, and then um, the other one was time traveled by Map, uh, Hollywood Studios in nineteen ninety one. So it's really fun to go relive what the parks were like in a time where, you know, in a very different time when there was a that's, Skyliner inside Magic Kingdom. it's so ironic
1: because those are our times that we we made our first trips. I believe Dewey eighty five and me ninety one. So that's kind of fun.
3: Yeah, it was it was really. It, Um, So the MGM one, so I'm showing the article. So the MGM travel by map is in July of 2021. And so this was the 20 year anniversary. Mm -hmm. And so what we kind of not purposely, but for some reason, it kind of ended up being anniversary ones. And it stemmed from the fact that I found, I, I mentioned the box of magical maps that I got from a fellow fan club member. And this map is. is what tri- triggered the travel by map. I was like, there's that 25th anniversary castle, looks like a birthday cake. And I saw that and I was like, oh my gosh, I remember seeing that. And then I opened up the map and I'm looking and like, oh my gosh, I forgot that they had a skyway. I remember being on that mm-hmm. and as a kid, and I was like, I wonder if other people remember some of this, stuff. oh, Mr. Toad's Wild Ride. And so uh, the the editor I was working with at the time, she's now um, the managing editor for, for the publication. Uh, she is also obsessed with maps. She loves, she loves, um, kind of those old paper products and you know, all those like old, you know, kind of neat things that you can have as memories of the parks. And so she was as into it as I was. So my first blog post was actually traveling by map in magic kingdom in 1998, which was kind of the last vestiges of having that 25th castle in, in, uh, the park. So they, they kept that one going for, for quite a while. And so that was the first one. And then we did Epcot and we did Hollywood Studios. And they said, can we actually put these in the magazine or put these as a feature? And I was like, oh my gosh, okay, that's so cool. And that's that's how those two happened. And uh, every couple of months I'll submit blog ideas. Sometimes they'll reach out to me and say, hey, we wanna do a blog about foodie facts about the France Pavilion. Would you wanna write that? So that's one of the blogs that just came out. uh, last month, uh, to help, you know, there was all that excitement around, uh, Ratatouille opening and the new restaurants that are going with that whole area back in Epcot. And, uh, so yeah, I do probably maybe one to two blogs a month for the magazine as well. Their blog is actually, you know, the magazine itself, I mean, having that print is amazing, but the stuff that they cover on the blog is also pretty incredible uh, so many interesting topics and different perspectives on stuff. And the team of people is just awesome. I, I feel fortunate. I've gotten to meet quite a few of them. Um, not everybody, we've got some folks up in Canada, um, and I haven't met them yet. So I'm hoping soon I get to meet them. The team is just, is it, a really wonderful organization of people that are huge Disney fans, but also just good people too.
0: So that's something that, that maybe not everybody knows that. Um that WDW Magazine is obviously a print publication, but they also have an online uh, an online location. You maybe want to share that, uh, that address, or how, how can our listeners find you, uh, other than the print, how can they find you online to catch some of those blog posts and those blogs that you do for the the magazine.
3: Yeah. So if you just Google WW magazine or the URL is www-magazine.com. And what's, what's neat is they have a couple of different ways you can explore the blog. They have blogs also for Disneyland resort and Disney cruise line. So they have for all three. And, uh, so what you can do, if you want to find the posts that I've done is you just search on my name on the site, and then it'll pull up a page of the different blogs that they've done. Um, or, or it'll pull up any blog that's got my mention in it. And then if you click on any um, writer's name in the site, it'll take you to a page that shows you all the different uh, pieces that they have, which is kind of neat because at least for me, I've gotten to write about so many different things. And and we have so many different writers that are coming at things from different perspectives too. Some folks that have littler kids, some folks who are still, you know, in their early twenties. So, They are like the fashionable people running around Disney World that, you know, are able to find the coolest wall and um, the photographers that we have, the the photos they're able to capture as like Ron's background photo there. I mean, some of the most beautiful pictures. And uh, this time of year, they actually have a calendar that comes out. I've done that as a gift for some of my fellow Disney fans. Um, And in the calendar, it actually lists different uh, Disney dates as well. So it has the national holidays and things, but it also it has you know, big important dates in Disney history, which is really kind of fun. Um, they have holiday cards featuring some of the amazing photography. I Actually have one of those. This is one of the ones from last year and it's the Hollywood Tower of Terror. So I, I love sunset season greetings at Hollywood Studios. It's one of my favorite holiday shows. I love how they transformed the castle. So, so excited to get that card that had that incredible photo. Um, But yeah, so I'm showing right now, I'm showing uh, this is the October issue. It has just a beautiful photo of the castle. And then the November issue that is just coming out is all about food. So kind of love obviously that whole topic (laughs) on what we've been talking about. But uh, what you can do, too, is if you do a digital subscription, you can get all the back issues, which is kind of fun. I've found I've learned different things I didn't know. Like, apparently there's a there's a way to get like Chewbacca to help you drive in Millennium Falcon Ride, which I had no idea about Mm -hmm. that um, until I read about it in a back issue of the magazine. So I was doing research for something else. So, I mean, this is it's a team of Disney fans. So they're going, they're you know, trying different things, they're, they're experiencing things different ways. Uh, we do have some folks that get to go to media events, but um, when I go to Disney, I, I don't have some sort of special press pass or anything like that. Most of the time it's just me being bold and asking people questions. And uh, most of the time people are just really you know, happy to, to talk to other folks and share their passion. But yeah, it's I, I really I really enjoy writing for the magazine. I feel very lucky to have been given the opportunity and you know gotten to know the team. They're just a wonderful, wonderful group of people.
0: Well, again, it's we've talked about uh, things being a labor of love, and it may not always be easy. You talked about the highs and lows, but you always come back to. I know earlier you said your your husband had you kind of make a list of you know pros and cons. And there's always more pros and it sounds like, you know, you're, you're kind of really loving the being an author, but you're, now you're doing something new with, uh, with the magazine contributions and stuff. So you're getting to do something you're good at with, the, uh, with the, something that you love in, in Disney World and Disney food and, and all of those things. So that is really exciting. I really love that you came back and shared more stories about your books and about the wdw magazine so much good stuff so uh trisha thank you so much for being here and telling us all of your awesome stories and being so much fun we're not ready to get rid of you yet we're, we want to move on to the next couple of segments but right. we uh and we had fun with you and you stayed for our, our last two segments last week so we hope you can do that again with us today but i definitely wanted to tell you thank you for, for sharing so much about your personal stories and your adventures being an author and, you know, hounding chefs for, for autographs and stuff. Some really cool stories.
3: Thank so. you. Well, I do have to show you one thing really quick because I know you said you're such a big Star Wars fan and all you guys are. This was one of the articles I did. This was in July of 2021 and it's called Do These Things You Must at Galaxy's Edge with <laughs> Kids. So I just, I was so excited when they kept the Yoda speak in the title because I'm like, hey, you know, I, our editors, their job is grammatically correct.'m like, please <laughs> because when we when we write um when we write columns, whether it's blogs or or columns from magazine, we give different options, different um it could, you know, here's different potential names and you always bold the one that you like, but there's no guarantee. And I was like, please, they have to do the Yoda. one, (laughs) Please do the Yoda. So I was so excited when when they did, because you have those moments as a writer. I think you, my guess is you guys have it as podcasters too, where you're like, you have this moment of cleverness and you're like, ha ha, please let someone else appreciate it. And sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. Um, but yeah, so I know you, you, uh, have your star wars shirt on there dewey so i had to give a little shout out to you on the the star wars front
0: that's awesome thank you thank you yeah we are i know tony and i are gigantic star wars fans so that's awesome thank you for sharing that with us you're welcome all right guys so again thanks to trisha for being on the show and sharing more of her adventures as an author and a contributing writer to the wdw magazine it is now time to shift gears and switch on over to the next segment of our weekly podcast, this is something we call What's Happening Now in Walt Disney World. So this week, the Disney company reopened the Cirque du Soleil store in Disney Springs down in the Walt Disney World Resort in Florida. The store is opening in preparation of the all-new Drawn to Life show that will premiere on November 18th. I, before I saw this article, I don't think I realized that. I knew something new was coming. I didn't realize it was already here. It's November 18th, just right around the corner. So lots of new Cirque merchandise is available to include merchandise focusing on the new show, Drawn to Life. So that got me thinking and wanted to ask you guys, uh, what do you think about the new show? Have you seen any? I've seen some some uh, little promos and stuff on it. What do you guys think about the upcoming release of the new Cirque du Soleil show, Drawn to Life, and uh, just curious if you guys had a chance to see La Nuba while it was still there, or if you've seen any other Cirque du Soleil shows in you know, maybe another city or something around the country, and then we'll talk about Drawn to Life also. So what do you guys think? I'm going to go to Trisha, ladies first, that's how my mama raised me, so we'll go ladies first. Trisha, what do you think about Drawn to Life, and did you see Lanuba? And let's just talk Cirque for a couple minutes.
3: Okay. Well, so I have not ever seen a Cirque show live. We've we've watched them on uh, TV. We've watched a couple of them. Um, I actually got, so I feel very lucky when I was in Montreal. So Cirque is based um, up in that area of Canada. And I actually got to do an aerial yoga class with um, a Cirque performer. Wow. So, uh, you know, it's, it was really it was really cool and some of the the ideas around aerial yoga kind of stemmed from all of these amazing things that surf performers do and as a mom of a gymnast and a cheerleader you know the idea of throwing humans around and humans doing all sorts of crazy flips and stuff like that um i have a a daredevil child who he's a college cheerleader and it's one of those things that we always joke about what job could he do at disney And we keep wanting him to go be Spider Man out in uh, DCA because he's been able to do a standing backflip. So flip with no hands since he was 12. So I'm like, he could just rock that and, you know, you'd be Spider Man. How cool would that be? (laughs) Um, But, but, uh, but yeah, I I think I think I I like that the, the show is feeling like it's got more, a little bit more of a Disney connection too. That's the, a couple of things that I've seen on it. I, I kind of like that. There's that, that pairing a little bit more and to be able to see just to, I think just be able to be at a live performance again, um, to oh feel to anything like that live. Uh, we saw, um, a dance, a local dance company, Chicago has got an amazing dance scene and it was kind of a, a more modern jazz dance. And just to be in a theater, with people on a stage and like other humans around and it was all IRL <laughs> and it, it was just, it was amazing uh, to, to be able to see it again. So one more step in that, getting back to normalcy. So ex- excited to, I, I I would say, I I, I go back and forth about whether I would commit the time to see that at a, I think it would have to be like a specific, okay, we're going to go to Disney to do that type of thing. Cause there's so much to do when you're there, but, uh, I do like that there's more more closeness to, to Disney um, in that show than, than what we've seen in some of the previous ones.
0: Absolutely. I mean, you know, they're, they're taking the magic of Disney animation and then they're going to, you know, really they're just kind of crossing that together with the just the amazing acrobatics and the, the, the physical show that, that, that Cirque du Soleil is so famous for. Uh, it looks really, really amazing just in the little promos that I've seen. So uh, I, I do, I, I had a chance to see LaNuba and it was gr- just spectacular, but it didn't have that Disney connection like you're talking about, Tricia. So I think this one is really exciting. So Ron, what do you think, man? Have you uh, had a chance to, did you get to see LaNuba or have you I seen a search? show?
2: Yeah. I didn't unfortunately get to see LaNuba. It, it's like you guys are saying, there's so much to do. And, in And Cirque du Soleil is almost a destination in and of itself. Um, So when we were at Vegas, though, we got the opportunity to see one. And it's an incredible show. I mean, we've watched them on TV as well, and we love them. And so I'm kind of sad that uh, Lanouba is gone and I didn't get to see it. but. I am like Trish. I'm not sure that we'll get the opportunity to see this when we're at Disney. We really like to immerse ourselves in the parks. Um, so I don't know, but I'm excited about it. I think it's, it's cool to hear that it's going to be more Disney, more implemented into the Disney family.
0: What about you, Tony? Did you have a chance to see Lanuba or, and then tell us if you're excited or if you've really done any reading or anything on drawn to life
1: i never did get to see Lemonuba. i have seen some videos of drawn to life i actually am more impressed with the visuals that go along with that it looks like they've got some interesting uh movies that go along with what the acrobatics are going on in front of um i've never seen a Soleil show but i am anxious to see this one in Las Vegas, whenever I make it out there, because I'm a huge Beatles fan and uh-huh. I understand that their love show is pretty incredible. And I've been wanting to see that for 10 years now, but haven't been able to go. But um, uh, as far as Disney, I would, while I would love to include that in their experience, like the others have said, there's so much to do there. I would need to have two weeks in Disney and then say, okay, yeah. I have enough time to go see a show like that as well.
0: Well, I'll tell you that. Um, and I know Ron will probably give me a hard time because he always does about how how frequently I go, uh, but I do have the benefit of you know having a cast member uh, as a father-in-law, so we do go a lot. So it, that did enable us to to go see Lanuba one time. It was a really long time ago. My my son is almost nineteen, so when we saw Lanuba, he was still young. He was probably somewhere between two and four. I don't remember. Um, and one thing about my son is that dude is or was afraid of everything. So I remember he's, you know, I mean, we, we didn't think it'd be a big deal. It's music and it's, you know, dancers and, and it's almost, you know, acrobatics. So we thought my four year old or whatever, however old he was, would find that fascinating and enjoy it. So we had really good seats. You know, my, my cast member father-in-law was able to hook us up with some really good seats. In, in the front section, I don't remember, it was somewhere in the first 10 rows. It was amazing seats. And we get there, we're in our seats, the, we're so excited, the lights go down, and as soon as it becomes dark, he started screaming. And we're like, looking around, we're like, oh my gosh, we had, please, we're, we're like patting his back, it's okay, buddy. And he, it lasted for probably a minute or so before we realized we have to get out of here because we're going to ruin everybody else's experience. So, oh my gosh, we we left those amazing seats and went all the way up into the tip top part and uh, basically where near the exit signs. And I don't know if the the red glow of the exit sign. <laughs> comforted him or something but we were able to get him quieted down but we had to stay up in the very back of the of the of the arena and so I've seen it but not as close as we should have been because we had great seats but so that's my Lanuba story but it was that's
2: hilarious we had a very similar experience with our daughter we bought floor seats for a show ended up in the balcony because she just would not hear of being that close
0: (laughs) you know I mean that's what happens when you go with little kids I you know I get
3: it sometimes for shows like that being back like that it's it's a different it's a different experience so so we are so fortunate we've been able to see Hamilton and there's one part of me that's like I would love to be up close and like you see the effort and the the sweat and you just there's 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 that's a different experience than if you are sitting all the way back and you can see the full setting of the stage it's like it's like happily ever after which favorite nighttime show hands down was actually listening to it when i went to get my coffee to kind of like get me to disney spirit to talking on this podcast but if you watched happily ever after and never went up close and really got to see how incredible those projections were I kind of feel like you were missing it. I always looked for videos where people who were close, and so many people kind of watched it back because you know the, the fireworks. But I'm like, those projections were amazing. So, and it's it's so 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 often that sitting back, especially at something like Cirque, where they do so much acrobatics, like you know with um, with a lot of the aerial acrobatics that they do. Sometimes sitting back, you're able to see almost more of it. Um, and get a sense of how high they are. Um, (laughs) Sometimes a little bit more than, than sitting up close. So you may have had a better view then, then you then
0: you thank you too. oh you're right I, as soon as i were finished recording i'm going to go upstairs and probably wake my lazy son up and i'm going to thank him for making us sit in the back for lanuba absolutely i've never thanked him for that so <laughs> <laughs> he'll be appreciative of your perspective there trisha
3: like, what are you talking about <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh that's great all right so that's pretty exciting um I've seen a couple of different shows. I saw Anubis there, and then when I was uh, when I was an airman in the Air Force, I was stationed at Keesler Air Force Base, which is in Biloxi, Mississippi. And uh, maybe y'all know, maybe you don't, but they they have a, a small. It's almost like little Vegas. They have uh, casinos and stuff there on the waterfront of the Gulf. And uh, the Beau Rivage is um, the the big fancy hotel there and they had a, a, a Cirque du Soleil show called Alegria, and uh, I was, uh, you know, a poor, didn't make any money. I was an airman, so um, we just got lucky. One of the doctors that, that I worked with, I was a medic in the Air Force, he took our entire staff to see Alegria, and so that was like the biggest, fanciest thing, you know, 24-year-old poor airman Dewey ever got to do at that point, so That was really, really cool. They're just amazing shows. So, um, you guys, that I completely get it. You're like, when I'm at Disney, I'm going to the parks and I'm eating food. Uh, I would encourage you if you can find a night, you know, maybe it's the day that you're staying at your resort and you're not going to the parks, it's a resort pool day or something. Go see the Cirque show that night because they are absolutely amazing uh i encourage you guys to make that sacrifice you know spend a night away from from space mountain or or whatever and go check it out they are really really cool so i would never steer you wrong all right so that's it for for what's happening now in walt disney world today so let's move on to segment number three this is a little thing we like to call what's your favorite so each week, one of our hosts brings with them a question to ask the other two hosts. Or in this case, this week, for the second week in a row, our special guest gets to play along too. So the hosts and our new friend, Trisha or don't know what this question is. They don't know what's coming. But I will ask, I am the, the host with the question this week. So... I'm going to ask you guys this. Now this is inspired by Trisha. Last week, you told us a little bit about one of your features in the WDW Magazine. You went back to 1986 Epcot. So Epcot Center is my favorite. And whenever I have a chance to talk about Epcot Center, uh, I I jump at the chance. So your your map feature last week inspired this question. So, So here we go. What is your favorite? And again, new changes, we don't even have this anymore at Epcot, it's now the neighborhoods. Remember, we've got World uh, Nature, World Showcase, and and all that. So I wanted to talk about Future World, since Future World is no longer with us. So what is your favorite? Future World East, which back in, back before, you know, maybe the, the early, late 90s, early 2000s, Future World East Featured universe of energy, horizons and world of motion. Oh, I see Trisha taking notes. <laughs> so we're Future World East had Universe of Energy, Horizons and World of Motion. Or Future World West, which had Journey into Imagination, The Land Pavilion, and the Living Seas. So that listen to your guys. We're talking about classic Epcot Center. We're talking about arguably some of the best attractions the Walt Disney Company has ever created. This may be an impossible question. So what is your favorite? Future World East, which had Universe of Energy Horizons and World of Motion, or Future World West, which had Journey into Imagination, The Land Pavilion, and The Living Seas? So everybody, I can see it on your faces. You're all contemplating. Some of you are rubbing, a couple of us are rubbing our chins. <laughs> so uh, again, I will always defer to ladies first. So Trisha, are you ready to take a stab at what's your favorite?
3: I I am. I am. Um, I am going to go with West because I was obsessed with figment as a child. Just obsessed. Like, I, I think I, I mentioned last time we went on a trip in the nineties and my, I think I, I had said at the time, like my dad was like, we're not going to Epcot. But now I remember we absolutely went to Epcot. Cause I think I dragged my dad and my brother and my brother at the time, I guess it was maybe 11 or 12 on the figment ride multiple times. So just to show how much my brother loves me it's for a teenage boy to go on figment that many times (laughs) Um, but I was obsessed and I remember I came home from that trip with with like this figment stuffed animal and was like that was like my favorite for for years so I think I I think I have to go maybe have to go west because I also love Soren so I know you're kind of talking about like vintage but Soren you know uh I I, yeah and you've got the um garden grill in there Mm -hmm. with That that's such a great character meal. And you know, Mickey and overalls, it's adorable.
0: And and we knew Trisha would be throwing it back to food, right? (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that whatsoever. We love the garden grill. Absolutely love that place. It's so much fun. All right. So Trisha goes future world west. All right, Ron. What about you, buddy? Are you going future world east or future world west?
2: So this is, as I am was thinking, I thought it was hands down, but it's a little more complicated than what I was thinking because the land was really an exceptional, I really enjoyed that, but I am going to go east. I, I, just the world of motion and um, and what it holds today, Mission Space was my favorite. Horizons was incredible. Um, so yeah, east, I, East would be my choice,
3: nice. Ron. If you love mission space, you have to do Space Two Twenty.
2: Yeah, I I can't wait.
3: You you will struggle to find something to eat, but you <laughs> have to do it. Like it's it's so cool, and you have to watch for the hidden Mickey and the dog. You'll get it when you're there.
2: Okay, that's awesome. No, I'm. That's something I'm really looking forward to. Is trying. Um, uh, mission 2020 and or what's it I'm, i think i just called it uh,
3: it's there. space uh 220. Space. Mm-hmm. yeah
2: and um so i'm yeah i'm really looking forward to so is it a funky food they don't have regular
0: food
3: <laughs> it's all regular
0: food <laughs> what, 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 a, what it's does it's that mean there. regular Fair enough. Fair
3: enough. Like right now all you get is space ice cream like you know freeze dried only. No. Um it's really uh they how, where did they say I think that the the um customer told us I want to say did the chef come from California grill? Maybe. Oh. Possibly. Um so it, it's 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 upscale. Um
2: No, that's cool. And yeah. I think I'll do fine then. We just, we went to California girl for our anniversary. It was incredible.
3: So yeah, I think I'll
1: be okay.
3: So I don't know if you eat duck, but my friend had the duck and I was like, I want to steal your plate. It was so good. And one of those things to me, like it was better than it needed to be because you're in this like, It looks like space. Like it's, there's the theming is amazing. And the whole process, I mean, it is a good time to go too because they're still very keen on, this is the way we do it um, where I think sometimes those experiential restaurants, like things can kind of just get a little more lax as time goes on. Yeah. Um, this, it's still very much like that. The cocktails are really super fun though. All of them kind of have like a little, like all of them have something funky about them. Um, and it's, it's very, very, very cool. Try to sit against the windows if you can. Yeah.
0: Dude. Oh, you've got me even more excited now. Look, I can see Ron at Space 220. He'll be like, he'll be looking at the menu, and the the wait staff will come over, and he'll say, and with his pinky out because it's fancy, he'll say, "I'll have your finest glass of ice water, please," because <laughs> <laughs> that's the only thing on the menu he'll eat. Now, the duck sounds very. I'm I'm
2: very much a carnivore, so the duck sounds very good.
3: Because you get both, um, like a duck, uh, breast, but also the the thigh, which is where like they usually do uh, get like the really like tasty, tasty kind of fatter part. Oh, it's so good! It was so good. <laughs> was so oh. good. Now I'm like, oh, now I want duck.
0: <laughs> and again, Trisha bringing food into it, even on Ron's answer. Yep.
3: <laughs> I will find a way. The other thing I would say for all you parents out there, I, as as a mom of I like. We have three boys and two girls um i love character meals but i do feel that they tend to be a little more girl driven and so you've got all these princess meals which which not to say you know some um kids don't love princesses not just it's not just girls but I always kind of feel a little bit like we, we were never there during when they did some of the Star Wars ones. And I, I always felt when, when my sons were younger, they're always kind of this like, well, well, what character meal would I want to go to? We did the dinosaur one at Animal Kingdom, which was really great back in the day. But this restaurant, though not a character meal, so no one's walking around and like Mickey is not like dressed up like like, you know. Um oh, wait
0: ast- astronaut. Mickey, it's not Mickey in that old rainbow suit from 1980s <laughs> Epcot. That
3: would be so <laughs> cool. <laughs> yeah, just like totally vintage. That would be excellent. That would be so um, good. It would be best too if it was like the creepy looking Mickey from that era too, where Mickey <laughs> kind of had like a little bit of like, oh, that's a scary. Floating experience.
0: out the window. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> oh my like god. <laughs> they totally need to do that. You know, yeah, you know. You know, they're eventually going to put Disney IP in there. So Tony, you may just made a million dollar idea. They,
3: they actually do have, there's a hidden Mickey that floats by. And it, apparently it's fairly rare to see. So if you go and you stay for hours eating and drinking, like we did, was all grownups, um, you will see everything um, apparently. Because they were like, well, most people don't usually see all of it. And like, We've been here for hours.
0: <laughs> We've <laughs> been here <laughs> since it Tuesday. <laughs>
3: um but it was but I think it's neat that there is something that has that level of theming um it's really cool when you first go in and you're you know launching up to the space station where the the restaurant is like having had a kid that when they were younger was obsessed with space it's really it's really very cool that I think they have something that is a little bit more gender neutral that that gives you that experience because I think right the only other so they do have garden grill at um character meal but you know the other big character meal there is 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 very princesses and my kids weren't really like ah, i want to go see a princess so it was, it's kind of neat to have something that that i think can appeal to a little bit of a broader audience too
0: excellent okay tony so it looks like so far we've got one for east and we're on one for west how about you? What are you saying? Future World East or Future World West? Tony? Well, quick
1: question Which which of these is the one that had interventions in it? Did they both?
0: Well, remember, yeah. even back when it was Communicore, it was on either side. So there was Another a side. Communicore East and a Communicore West. And then there was also an Interventions East and an Interventions right. West. So the answer is yes. <laughs> they, they, both okay, of them both had. They both did. All right. I, I, I'm going
1: to say West because I, I'm going, I, I'm remembering the early days when I used to travel there my nephew used to work at the Odyssey restaurant, which was on the west side. Mm-hmm. And so, and, and also in the guidebooks at the time, you, the Birnbaum books used to say, well, if you, if you, everybody heads to the right, so you should head to the left. So we should, we would always head that way. And I remember um, uh, going to those attractions. I love the animatronics. I, we used to love going to Ellen's adventure we made that uh, a regular staple from when we used to go and even before it was that although I will say that for dining purposes it has to be the east because we used to love dining at the living seas and also um, the garden the uh, is the garden grill Um, so it's kind of hard to pick one of those but if I'm going to pick one I'm just going to say for the sake of um, of retro
0: uh, it would be the west side. So let's see. So you're saying West because you your cousin or was, your nephew, my nephew, my nephew, nephew, nephew worked the at the Odyssey. OK, we, I awesome. I there. And
1: actually, he introduced me to a, a cast member there who um, actually one of his roommates was very good friends with Goofy. So uh, when Goofy came out at one point, he came out and he said, I know you. So I was like, yeah, you do. So that was pretty cool. So I would say the West side, the West side is, is more fun because then it leads into the uh, the restaurants and things that I like on on that side of uh, of the international um, side of Epcot. Which I'm blanking out on Mexico. the name of
3: this. Yes, You're going Mexico, going and, Mexico and
1: and those, yeah. I love that side
0: of Epcot a lot. All right, so that is one East, two West. So I'm going to, to jump in also and i guess the guys are going to outnumber you today trisha because uh well first of all let's talk about now the east is no slouch okay just the fact that uh the living seas had the hydrolators makes it a, a contender you know you've got the hydrolators then you throw an original figment with Dreamfinder. I, I goodness gracious Captain EO, sure. I mean, in the 80s, there was not a bigger star in the world than Michael Jackson. Um, so, and, and then the land was always great. You know, I love the original, uh, the fountain that was there, the land pavilion and the hot air balloons and stuff. There can certainly be an argument made for Future World East, but I, uh, I have to go with Future World West because... I mean, you guys already know how my love of World of Motion. That is my all-time favorite Disney attraction. So I absolutely love World of Motion. Every single thing about it. All of the animatronics, the, the, the post-show with the cars and stuff. Um, Horizons. I mean, who, who doesn't love part two of the Carousel of Progress? I mean, that amazing... And then Universe of Energy, you know, I mean, remember the original Universe of Energy. I loved Ellen, and, and I still miss Ellen's Energy Adventure. Wish it was still there. Put Guardians of the Galaxy in a movie theme park. Anyway, <laughs> um, but the original pre-show, do you guys remember the original pre-show uh, you know, when they, in Ellen's Energy Adventure, it's the, you know, when she's dreaming and she falls falls asleep and dreams she's on Jeopardy. Before that, you guys remember the original pre-show in the Universe of Energy? It had, they were called, it was very fancy name, just like Disney loves to do. The All of the moving screens in the pre-show was called a kinetic mosaic, but it showed in the pre-show it talked about, you know, the sun and and all the ways that humans Mm -hmm. get energy, but the, it wasn't on a movie screen. It was on, and I don't remember the number now, but it had dozens of smaller screens that would move and rotate up and down. Mm -hmm. So it would, it would almost make um, uh, geometric shapes and the, the projectors would, would shine on those moving screens so that it the the screen came alive. It was really, I mean, and there's, I've never seen anything else like it in the world. It was designed by uh, a, a Czech. Um, his name escapes me now, but he was a, a, a Czechoslovakian film director. And so maybe there's some of these really cool screens still in, in that area of the world. We lost the one in Epcot, but that alone, the pre-show to the original Universe of Energy was you know, at least in America and at least for, you know, 12-year-old, 11-year-old Dewey, it was one of a kind. It was absolutely amazing. Um, so so I'm going Horizons, World Emotion, Energy, Universe of Energy, and then Ellen's Energy Adventure. Uh, I still call that classic Epcot because that came in the 90s. Uh, I'm going with Future World East, Future World East. So that's my vote. And Trisha, you look like you're trying to say something. What are you going to say?
3: Yeah, so I was looking back at that article uh, that I was telling you I wrote about in 1986. And I also realized I totally did the math wrong. Like, duh, it's, that was 15-year anniversary, not 25. Um, I mentioned that before. I was like, man, wow, that I can't do math this morning. But the other cool thing about that was those vehicles were powered by solar cells. You know, if you mm-hmm. think about that, like early 80s, that was... That now whatever, but that back then, and and it was um that they were on the building roof, and so to like do the, that type of you know technology and and do some of those things that Disney was known so known for back in the day too, like the you know innovating the animatronics, innovating animation, and then you know innovating having a solar powered ride um in the early eighties. It, it just uh it it's, there's a lot of cool stuff about it that you, you, I I would say. Wouldn't have known had you know, I not been like, OK, I got to go do research on this.
0: Look, guys, classic Epcot Center was an amazing, just a thought provoking uh, place. It was just, you know, it, anything and everything that was cutting edge and stuff that they, they tried to put in there. And and Trisha, you, you know, you're right. The, there were 80,000 solar cells on top of that building, 80,000 of them. Uh, you know, and that was a really big deal. They're like, the ride you're riding or the vehicle you're riding in is powered by the sun. You know, it was that a really big deal. Now, of course, you know, out on Disney property, there's a gigantic like million acre hidden Mickey shaped solar uh, uh, I don't know what they call it, but this whole gigantic complex that's shaped like Mickey and our Mickey's head, it's a hidden Mickey, I guess. But, you know, back in the eighties, you're right. That was A huge big deal oh yeah absolutely so we we
2: had that talk and they need to um, bring mr musk in and just let him bring the future to disney back to bring the future back to disney instead of
0: i agree yep i agree so there you go sorry we outnumbered you today trish but uh, trisha but we have uh three four the east side and the lone ranger and trisha over there on the uh, on the west side so that was fun guys thanks for playing along with what's your favorite today all right so that just about does it for this episode of the wdw reflections podcast please go out and follow us on all of our social media accounts which can be found on facebook instagram and youtube at wdw reflections podcast and on twitter at wdw reflections this podcast can be currently found and played on many podcast platforms, including Spotify, Apple podcasts, and overcast. If you love the show, please leave us some some feedback on Apple podcasts. These positive feedbacks help the show reach a larger audience and will help us grow. And don't forget, you can always message us from any of those social media accounts, or you can email us at wdwreflectionspodcast at gmail.com. Send us questions, comments, requests for trip tips, ideas for future podcast topics or anything else you can think of you'd like to talk to us about and please keep coming back we truly appreciate you guys thanks for listening to the wdw reflections podcast we'll see you real soon